This is the Raising Athletes podcast, season three, episode 30, with best-selling author Mike Jaffe, supporting your teen athlete during COVID-19. Hi. This is, I'm, bleh. <laughs> <laughs> Once you know it's for real, you're like, <laughs> Hi, I'm Kirsten Jones. And I'm Susie Walton. And this is our podcast, hashtag Raising Athletes with Kirsten and Susie. Our passion is supporting parents and raising not only strong athletes, but extraordinary people. Join us each week as we tackle all topics youth sports, including everything from early specialization and overuse injuries, to helping our kids feel empowered and learn how to advocate for themselves, not only in the classroom, and on the court, but at dinner tables and in their communities. We'll be talking to coaches, athletes, parents, and anyone else who will speak to us <laughs> about their experiences with youth sports and their paths to success. And even more importantly, their failures. Yes, we're gonna get into the gritty details of what went wrong so that we can all learn from it, teach our kids and ourselves how to do better next time. Because in the words of Maya Angelou, when you know better, you do better. So welcome to Raising Athletes, because we love to win too. Let's do this. Mike Jaffe is the president and founder of Savia Leadership, a global leadership development firm that unlocks the potential of individuals and teams through conscious communication, experiential learning, and transformational conversations. Also a nationally recognized speaker, executive coach, and best-selling author, Mike has an inspiring, motivating, and powerful message as a 9-11 survivor. He shares his impactful story, which left both Susie and me speechless. Mike has appeared in, as a featured expert on CNN and Fox News and has been published and quoted in the Wall Street Journal, MSN, CNBC, US News and World Report, and other national and regional media outlets. Additionally, Mike is a father of two athletes himself. His daughter played soccer and tennis through high school, and his 16-year-old son is currently playing football at a prep school in Massachusetts. Today on the podcast, he shares his expertise, as he does with his clients, who have included Pandora, BuzzFeed, Starbucks, PepsiCo, and Disney Interactive, to name a few. Susie and I found his 5P approach, the perfect formula to help parents make sense of how they can be anchors for their children during these times of uncertainty when we are all navigating these unchartered waters. Hello and welcome to Raising Athletes today. We are so excited. We have a great guest for you today who's got a phenomenal story and is a motivational speaker and writer and um, executive coach. And he's going to enlighten us on all of how we're going to handle and connect with each other in these uncertain times. But before we introduce our guest, Mike Jaffe, let's tell us, let us tell you a little bit about ourselves. I'm Kirsten Jones, a peak performance and sports parenting coach. My passion is helping others align their values with their mission and their mindset to get what they want in life. As a former Division I volleyball athlete and a 14-year Nike executive, I've always loved the power of, of what makes peak performance possible. As a mother of three teen athletes and someone who is currently in the middle of supporting her oldest son's dream to play sports in college, Susie and I have created this podcast to help others who are trying to raise not only strong athletes, but more importantly, extraordinary people. And I'm Susie Walton, and I'm the founder of Indigo Village. I'm a mom of four sons who are all athletes um, back in the day. I'm a grandma of nine little ones. I'm a speaker, author, and family coach. I've always loved sports. 
in and out, still playing beach volleyball and bodyboarding and body surfing. My past kids and ways I know how to support the kids is by supporting their parents and creating the family of their dreams. So welcome, Mike. We are so excited to have you on. Uh, thank you for taking the time in this um, odd time to be with us. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. It's my, it's my honor, honestly. Oh. The, 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 new, the new normal. The new normal for now. For it now. Changes. Yes. Yep. <laughs> so to that point, we're living in a very strange time right now. And what's happening both with people's fear about the future and the economy, I kind of keep hearing these two different scenarios that are referenced. One being 9-11 and what happened to everyone and how we perceived the world and how things changed. And then the 2008 financial collapse. And when we connected and said you'd be interested in coming on the podcast, I thought you would be the perfect person to come and talk to us in this uncertain time because you have a very personal story to what happened during 9-11. Would you be you know, willing to share that with our audience? Of course. Absolutely. Thank you. And, and you know what's interesting is for our kids, our kids of high school and now college level, this is really, I think, the first crisis that they're very present to. So even in the 2008 collapse, my daughter, who's now 20, was um, eight, and it affected her life, but I don't think she had the awareness or the presence of it. Back in 2001, she was only one, and she has no awareness of that, only the stories that we share. And so for me, to get into that story, I had it was coming out of another collapse, which was the internet bubble, had burst, and I had been part of a startup, a uh, an internet startup, and we had funding promised, and it collapsed the day before we were supposed to get our funding. So once, once again, we were there saying, "What are we going to do? How are we going to salvage ourselves?" And we all had to kind of disband as a as an A team and and find ourselves back uh, in other jobs. And I was back in a corporate job, and um, rather than be grateful, I was resentful about it because it wasn't what I wanted to do. And so I was looking at it like. Um, as if it was a loss and a failure rather than the gift that it was, which was providing a nice salary and a good job from a good company for me to take care of my family. And we had just moved out of the city. We moved out to Connecticut and my commute was two hours each way. So if you think about Susie, if you think about where you can get from San Diego in two hours, imagine go doing that every single day for work. It's a long, no. it's a long commute. Yeah. No. <laughs> right. <laughs> exactly. So four hours a day. And you know what was so interesting is that the trains are packed. It was hard to get a seat. Right? That was just the way things are over there. Hmm. And uh, right. So once again, I was just miserable. I was just in this state of mind where I was blaming everyone and everything and not being accountable myself. And days became weeks, became months. And you can spend a lot of time lost in that mindset. And until something gives you the awareness to wake you up. And for me, it was seeing my little girl because I would leave in the morning. She was only one at the time. She'd be sleeping. I'd come home at night. She'd be sleeping. And I was never getting to enjoy the time with her. She, I was still in the honeymoon phase. It was, she was only one. And I wasn't feeling like I was able to be a dad. And then that terrible energy was spilling over into me being a husband. And then that energy was spilling over into the weekend when I actually had time with them. You know how our energy spills? You know, and that was happening and I wasn't owning any of it. And then one day I, I was outside at lunch during work 
And I just had a realization that I really needed to own this thing. Nobody was going to give me anything. And that was the beginning of the shift right there was really having the awareness to say that it's nobody else's fault, except I need to be the one who makes a choice here. And I thought about it and I thought, what's the most important thing to me? And it was really about being a dad, being a husband, um, not about being reckless or rebellious at work, not about being anything like that, um, but really about trying to add back the role of dad and husband to my life. And I thought, how am I going to do that? You know, we had just moved a few months earlier. We're not going to move again. This commute was killing me. Um, I had a good, solid job in a bad economy. So what was I going to do? And I thought, what if I, what if I just have breakfast with my family? tomorrow morning, just a 20 minute difference in my schedule. What big, what difference is that going to make? Right. Instead of taking the early train, I'll take the next train. And at least I'll start to feel like a dad again. But then of course the noise starts to show up and says, well, what difference is that going to make? You know, one breakfast, you're really going to change your world with one breakfast. Who cares? Right. And so many times we dismiss or discount even little steps because we immediately judge that they don't add up to much. And that's a mistake. That's that's a shift in perspective that we need to take on that little things actually do count. And I remember after I made that decision, I got lit up and I went back to my, my desk after lunch. And what was so interesting it was that that was the best afternoon I had ever had at that company. Hmm. And it wasn't because my job changed. My, my responsibilities were exactly the same. Just my relationship to them, my empowerment, I took control of my life back and that made all the difference. And I remember calling my wife and I said, Hey, her name is Sabrina. We're, we're going to have breakfast tomorrow. And she was like, that's nice. I said, no, 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 we're going to have breakfast tomorrow. And she said, whatever you want, honey. She, she, it wasn't the gravity of it didn't hit her yet. You know, I was all excited. Um, and that was totally fine. And I remember going home that night and I was excited. And then I woke up the next morning and the current of that fast moving river hit me once again. I put on my suit, my normal time. I got up at my normal time. I was ready to make my normal train because that's what happens, right? Our habits are so powerful. And it really takes intention to break through the current of that fast moving river. And I would have probably just flowed right into my normal train, except my wife came out and she said, oh, you're ready to go. I thought we were going to have breakfast, but you can still make your train. So what do you want to do? And that's when I found myself at that crossroad. And that's when the voices popped up. You know, the voices, you know, go to work. What are you doing? It doesn't matter anyway. She's only one. She's not going to remember this. And then the other voice, no, don't go to work. The whole point was you wanted to take control back and you wanted to be a dad, even if it's only for 15 or 20 minutes. And you wanted to make this choice. And I had that tug of war going on. You ever have that tug of war in your head? Absolutely. Yep. Right? I'm sure there are a lot of people right now struggling with a lot of different pulls on their mindset right now. And I was stuck there. And finally I looked up and I saw my little girl and I saw my wife and I, I just let go of the rope. You know, I just let go. And I said, the whole point was to have breakfast. Let's have breakfast. And we had a beautiful little breakfast. Um, just normalcy, right? We're all craving normalcy right now. And it was just a nice, normal breakfast. I felt like a family unit. And I remember getting on the train and I was just lit up again. I was just so excited. And somebody who doesn't have a lot of hair on the top of my head, when I get lit up, I, I light, I shine. You know, So I was all shiny in the train. And um, we started going into the city. And because I had that breakfast, I was still in the subway 
when the first plane slammed into the World Trade Center and hit my desk because I happened to work at the 96th floor of the North Tower of the World Trade Center, which was the point of impact of the first plane. And had I not had that breakfast, I would have been up there with the rest of my team. So that's how fast things can happen. You know, that's, that's what happened. I still got out that morning. I was still in the subway. I came out downtown right by the towers. And I remember it was a little weird just to share a little bit about the experience. There was nobody on the platform and, you know, New York city at rush hour is a full contact sport. Right. And there was nobody there. And that kind of registered a little odd. And then I, as I'm walking up the stairs, cause you're underground, as you walk up the stairs, I start hearing the din, the noise. And I got out into the chaos and I looked over and I'm right in front of the tower and I look up and I see a big hole in my building. And because of how high I work, you start, you counted down from the top, which was windows of the world back then, 110. And I counted down and I was like, wow, oh my gosh, that's, that's my floor. What do I do? And I froze and I wasn't sure how to help um, until the first responders started coming and clearing out clearing out uh, everybody that was there. And I thought, you know what? The best thing I can do right now is let them do their job and let me go take care of myself and let me let my my loved ones know that I'm okay. And so that was a whole adventure uh, unto itself that day. But that that was what happened that morning. Hmm. Kind of crazy. Wow. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you for sharing. Absolutely. So. <laughs> Where do you go from there, right? Right, I know. Yeah. Let like, me tell you. Yeah. So. <laughs> I know. So here, here's what happens. I started, I knew I needed to make a change. I also knew I needed to appreciate and have gratitude for what I had. And so what I find is that we need to have these sometimes coexistence of these two that feeling, uh, these two pulls or these two feelings that almost feel like they're working against each other. And we have to shift that around because that's fear-based. It's what we call in, in our company, what we teach is integration theory. And because sometimes, you know, you have people like right now, people are worried about the economy, rightly so. So do you tilt over to the economy, but that might put more people at risk? Or do you shut things down, which is what's happening, and tilt over towards taking care of people, which could really hurt the economy? It's It's a tug of war. It's one at the expense of the other. And what I'm not seeing enough of is how do we have, how do we all win? How do we have everything here in a way that's responsible, in a way that is intelligent, in a way that makes sense? It's innovative. The way things are right now aren't, aren't working. There's no simple equation for this stuff. So we have to get out of this fear-based mindset and into problem-solving mode. And the only way we do that is if we come together. And by coming together, we can create new opportunities. We can have new ideas we can have better listening of one another where we're going to be able to figure out this hard stuff, you know, cause there is no clean answer. Um, but when we're based in a fear mindset, what we end up doing is we get into protection mode instead of problem solving mode. And we build the little walls around us and we have these virtual, we have these physical walls around us now. So I think it's just so important for all of us to stay virtually connected as we're physically isolated. Yes. Maybe that's a good place to bring in. So Mike's written this amazing book called Wake Up Your Life. Maybe we can talk about, I think you have five great pillars and what, you know, what parents are tuning in to this with their athletes, you know, for their kids to find out yeah. what can they do in this unstructured time? 
or how do I, you know, what I, the mantra I always am talking to my kids about and my clients about is, you know, yes, this is to your point about getting caught in fear. Don't, what, what can you do now so that when, not if this will pass, this will pass. We don't know when, mm-hmm. but when it passes, when we are looking back on it, what can you walk away saying, I did that. I moved the ball, you know, this far, far down. Yeah. The field. These are the things that I was able to accomplish. And so that you don't get trapped in your fear and you don't spend all your time spinning versus being proactive in what you're trying to accomplish. Can you talk? Yeah, about- great. Uh, yeah. Great question. Okay. Definitely. It's the same. It's a lot of it is, has a lot of crossover to what we, what we're saying to executive leaders, which is leadership presence right now is very important. People are, are craving um, to trust something. They're looking for anchors that they can build from or that they can use every day to get through the day, something that, that they can start to build hope from or look towards a future that they can believe in. And you as a parent need to have leadership presence for your family. It doesn't mean you, you don't have to feel fear. We all have fear and we all have real hardship that's going on right now. The question is, what are you going to do about it? Because again, it comes down to the choices that we make. We can either choose to be a victim of something or we can choose to create something uh, within the constraints that we're living in. And that's what I had to do. I had to, I had to choose not to be a victim anymore. And that was of the choices I had made, but I didn't, I didn't choose for the internet bubble to burst. And I certainly, nobody's choosing this coronavirus pandemic right now. What we, what can you choose? What do you have the opportunity to make an impact on in terms of you, your life, your kids, you know? And so it's really important as a parent to make sure that you are the anchor for your kids right now. It's not about push, push, push. It's about support and trust and strength and foundation that they can build from. You know, my, my daughter is in college. She's here home right now. My son is in high school. He's at a prep school and he's there primarily for football and it's his off season right now. So there comes a time where I, I, I had to, or it came a time where I had to stop pushing and trying to get him to work out or to do this or to do that, where he actually had to choose it and own it for himself. And in order to do that, the conversation wasn't really, you should do this. It wasn't about implementation or tactics. We focused on purpose. And that's one of the P's, the purpose. Why? Why is this important to you? How is focusing on this going to help you towards your vision and your goal? It's not about my vision and my goal. It's about yours. And I think that's an important shift for parents of athletes. How much of the vision or how much of the fear or how much of the holding on is based on your own dream for them versus their dream for themselves? And um, what my experience has been is that as soon as I let go and I had a different kind of conversation with him in particular, um, he started taking it on himself more and more. So even before I went downstairs and he was working out with whatever little space we have here, obviously we don't have the kind of weights he would get in the gym or any of the equipment that he has. So how can you make the best of this? What can you focus on? If you can't do heavy lifting right now, can you can you work on something else? And and it's, so again, it, it all comes down to the choices that we make and, and who we need to be as leaders of our families right now, give them a, a foundation. You know, talking about that leadership, I mean, I know for parents, a lot of, for everybody, but we're focusing on the parents of these kids right now too, that they, they have a lot of angst themselves. And like you're saying, they can't bring the angst and the work onto the table. Like 
kids can feel their emotion. Kids watch how their dads handle stress, how life, and that's what they're learning from. And so I've been giving this idea out to parents in the morning, journal all your worries away. Just even mm-hmm. just write them out and let them go and then become present to what's going on right now. And, and, you know, take on the experience because as you say, it's not going to be forever. But let's not run away from it and try to figure out how we can make it work around it. Like just be in it. And then from there we can, you know, we can reach out and start people too. I mean, we're starting, you know, there's this thing around the world right now at eight o'clock at night that people stand on their porches or out on their back porch or whatever, front door, and they start applauding the doctors and nurses, all you know, all the health they're out there as lives in order to keep people stay alive. And um, I noticed that I'm the only one doing it in my neighborhood right now. So to serve today, I chose, I'm going to do today, next door neighbor app and invite everyone in, my, in these neighborhoods to stand out in their front night and pl- applaud these words in the hospitals at 8 p.m. But, you know, first I had journal all my reason, my, my fear, my anxieties before I could get to the next point of action. See, that's what, what you just shared, Susan. That's it. Instead of, Instead of getting frustrated that other people aren't out there with you, frustration is an unmet expectation. It's when we have an expectation for something that's not met, it frustrates us. So instead of choosing to be a victim of that, what you're doing is saying, I'm going to get on my neighbor app and I'm going to invite everybody out. You're creating something. You're in action. Small step. Mm. And that's the shift that we need from people. It's not to sit there and say, why isn't this and why isn't that? It's what am I going to do? What can I do within the, the world where I have impact? And we all have amazing impact with our families and our kids. Um, and so remember, everything you're doing is role modeling for them right now. So who you're being during a time of challenge and crisis is going into their memory bank. And how is that going to serve them in the future? So like you're saying, if it's okay to be afraid. Absolutely normal to be afraid. In fact, we talked before we started recording about how a lot of people are still working on um, just survival mode right now. They're not in a place where they even have the mental capacity to start creating something. They just really need to process and heal first or get over the shock of this thing. Um, but there is, a, there is a point in time where you can make that shift to start saying, okay, now I'm going to choose something else. Now I'm going to choose not, not that voice, but I'm going to choose this voice. And so just as we have to ask our kids, why is it important for them so that they make those choices? What is, we got to do the same thing for ourselves. We got to understand our own purpose and our own perspective here. Like, who do you want to show up as, as a parent, as a leader, as a mother or father of your kids? Who do you want to show up as a leader of your family? And what, what are the areas that you can make a positive impact for them? And you don't have to pretend just how can you role model when, when you think back on this or when you look back on this, who, what's going to make you proud of how you were during this time, this time of challenge? Not when things are easy, but during these times. Mm-hmm. And that, that's just perspective. That starts with our perspective. And we go from there. I love that. There's one idea that just went off in my head, which is we all talk about being everybody's so busy. Everybody's out. You know, <clears throat> if we're lucky, we have one family dinner a week, and that's when I manda- make it mandatory on a Sunday night. And you know, there are going to be little silver linings in this whole experience, and one of them can be. I mean, again, maybe it's not every night. We all need space, but 
gosh, just think if you did three family dinners a night or four family dinners a week, that you then use that time, exactly what you're talking about, Mike, to share your perspective and to allow them to, to share theirs. Because what we do as parents a lot is give them our opinion, but ask them where they are and what are they experiencing and what are they seeing online and all putting our phones down for an hour or two and having good discussions around what does it mean for us as a family and how is it impacting each of us and what does online learning look like and you know what are the different things that they're going through. I think even just that level setting can really help you know, decompress a lot of stress too. Absolutely. I love that. I love that too. When, when we're coaching somebody, executive coaching, which is sometimes a little different than athletic coaching, what we're doing is not putting something in, but we're creating space and inviting them to come in. So it's exactly what you're doing. It's asking questions. It's facilitating mm-hmm. so that your kids and the other people in your family can contribute, can have a voice, can be part of the creation of the conversation, can feel heard, can feel listened to, can feel important, can feel that they can express themselves right now, not just receive your, uh, you know, all of your advice and tips. Um, and it changes the dynamic of the relationship. When if you if you hear something from your kids, seek understanding there. Mm-hmm. You don't have to correct it. You don't have to fix it. Uh, like you said, ask questions. Help to unpack that a little bit. Unwrap that. And there's an intimacy and there's a, a bond that's created because you're what you're actually doing is creating safe space for them. And kids need safe space right now. Parents need safe space. So you can create it collectively and feel it together. And that's really, really powerful when the, the family comes together like that. Let's go on to your third P. So play. I mean, I just mm-hmm. was thinking about maybe there's some fun ideas too to talk about. So one thing through all of this is there's still, again, opportunities to be silly and to be playful. I know we have rap music, the boys like rap music, going while they do the dishes every <laughs> night and everybody's dancing or, you know, like what are those things that creating play for your family as you're experiencing this might be a great outlet. I mean, right. So are other thoughts you totally. have around what, what are the, the, the storyline behind play? Is it rap music that gets your kids to do the dishes? <laughs> I think I'm going to take a note on that one. <laughs> Only the boy. My daughter, the I'm not in there. And I'm like, I'm not in there either. So <laughs> That's awesome. That's really great. Um, I think, you know, playing has a lot of different levels to it. You know, playing right now, part of playing is also part of responsibility. So we've told the kids, you guys have dinner one night a week. We'll buy any groceries you want. It's up to you. You can make anything you want. We're, we're not going to worry about carb restrictions or any of that stuff right now. We're, we just want them to, to have some fun and to feel like they're adding value. And so that's one aspect of play. The other thing is kind of take a, a check of your personal, kind of your personal energy. Where are you going right now? Some people want to feel busy. So because that feels normal or that's a good distraction, otherwise the fear can lurk up. And what happens is we can get so focused on all of us being busy doing our thing, kind of in our own worlds, we're missing the opportunity to do something different together, to play together, to, to break out that old dusty board game, to go back retro, to sit at a table and have conversations, to have meals together. You know, it doesn't mean you have to do it every day, but this is that opportunity to play together, um, even if it's forced because we all have to be together. And it's really easy to overlook that and try to kind of push through everything without seeing this again 
choosing this as the opportunity that it really is. I remember, I remember after 2008, the economic collapse, we were living in, in Westport, Connecticut, which is just a beautiful town. And we couldn't afford to live there anymore because nobody was hiring uh, coaches and training at that time. Our, our whole business dried up in two weeks. And so we had to rent out our house just to save it. And then we had to move back in with my, my parents. And I'm, I was in my early 40s, you know, and I have a nine-year-old and a six-year-old. And people were like, oh, my God, the kids, what are you going to do to them? And we had to hang up sheets for them in my parents' basement to even make a room for each of them. And so we were, but what we decided to do to say was to say, hey, you know what? We're going on a life adventure. That's what we're going to do. That's what we're going to choose. That's what we're going to make this. And let's go live with grandma and poppy for a little while. And we'll figure out where we want to go from there. And it made all the difference in the world. So rather than coming into that situation, feeling angry and resentment and failure and blame, we went in saying, hey, let's create some agreements with my parents that are going to make this livable and fun and enjoyable and make sure that the kids get a really great experience of this, even though there's some hardship involved. And one of the greatest lessons we learned, because we had to do it all again a year later, was we went to our kids and we said, you know, what's it like to be a new kid? We're, you, you just did that when we moved into grandma's house. And now we're moving again. Are you okay? And both of them independently said, oh, yeah, we've done this before. We know what's going on. We know how to do this. And they were 10 and 7 a year later. And my wife and I were blown away. Just Sometimes we think it's about protecting. And if you tilt too far into protect, then you're not preparing. And when you're preparing your kids, especially think about high school athletes. You guys played, you know, at the collegiate level. Think about the grind and the and the what what that really requires from a mindset, mostly mental as well as physical. If our kids are not prepared to go through some of that stuff, they're never going to survive it. And so it's not only about protecting; it's also about preparing. And that was a huge lesson that my wife and I learned. Um, having to go through the challenge, the, what we call the gift of the storm. I so love play, that. right? That's, it's an opportunity to play. We've done this before, Dad. We're handled. <laughs> yeah, it was it's another was adventure. We moved a lot of our boys too back in the day, and I always found another adventure. And it's kind of not to the intense of level like, but just moving from city to city was just another adventure, and they got used to it. And yeah, so. It's a great. Is there a, great. is there a cost to it? Of course. Everything we do has a benefit and a cost. Everything. There's not one thing that you can do that doesn't have both of those things. <clears throat> Even if yeah. the cost is an opportunity cost, right? If you're going to do something over here, you can't do it over there. Um, so it's not about just avoiding the cost. It's about understanding both sides of it and then making choices that are aligned with your values, really. Absolutely. I love that. That's how we live our lives too. Susie and I are definitely of that same making. And every time we've moved a ton too, and every time we do it, it's a wonderful adventure. And what's the worst case scenario? You don't like it, you leave. Right. (laughs) I never see a downside, (laughs) you know, like you can always move, like that's the benefit. So, um, okay. So we've, we've done the first three. So we've done perspective, and what was the second one? Help me. Purpose. 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 And but there's one more thing about play. Okay. The, un- the underlying concept of play is that <clears throat> when you're not making it significant, you actually allow yourself to fall down. 
So when we play, it's not only about the outcome. A lot of times we drive towards outcome because that's we want to hit goals, want to hit outcome. Play means enjoy the process. It means try something new. It means let go of the outcome for now because the outcome is not important in the moment. <clears throat> it doesn't mean it's not important in your life and at work. And all, of course, those are important. But when we're in play mode, it means I'm just going to actually try something different, get out of my comfort zone, take a risk, fall down, because then I know I'm out of my comfort zone if I fell down. And I'm going to grow and learn way more on this side of that than if I play it safe and comfortable and need to be right. And so play as a mindset is meant to be able to have you challenge yourself to not be good, to not be great at something. You know, I, I use the analogy in playing where uh, we used to have a, a diving board in our town and it was really, it was 25, 30 feet. As a little kid, that felt like a thousand feet high. <clears throat> and I used to, I used to watch the people climb up, especially the guys trying to impress the girls, you know, and they climb up to the top of the diving board. And then all of a sudden they'd look down and it looked a lot further from up there than it did on the bottom. And they got stuck and they didn't want to go. And the attendant's like, oh no, you have to climb. You have to, you have to go off the diving board. There's no climbing back down the ladder. And you used to see them struggling with it. And so for all of us, if we could just be up on that diving board, right? We just be up on that diving board looking down. What we need is not confidence. How many times do we say, once I'm confident, then I'll do something, right? Athletes, once I'm confident, then I'll do something. <clears throat> but that's not the way it works. You get confident by doing something, which means you need to have courage. So playing is all about courage. Because if you're up there and you summon a little courage and let's say you jump and you're falling, you're falling, you're falling, and boom, you hit the water. And all of a sudden you're like, oh, that hurt my feet. I have to point my toes next time. Well, now you learn something. Now let's say you climb back up again and you jump again. You still need a little bit of courage because it's only your second time. But now you're going to point your toes, point your toes, point your toes. Boom. Hey, that was okay. And so for the next hour, you're climbing up, you're jumping off, you're climbing, you're playing. And at the end of that hour, now you go on to the top of that diving board. Now you have confidence, but you have to get there. You have to go through it. You don't wait until you have something. You get confident by doing it, which means you have to play. And so that's why play is such an important aspect of things. That's great. That's really good. We talk about progress over perfection. So we, as athletes, yes. want to do it once we can do it perfectly. Well, to your point, how do you get to where you can do it perfectly unless you are willing to fall down and stand up and fall down and stand up? And so focusing on progress and helping our athletes, helping our kids not worry about the outcome. Don't worry about how fast you'll run the 10K or how what team you'll be on this year at age 12. It doesn't matter. That's not the goal. The goal is to focus on what can I do today in service of me becoming a better athlete and me becoming a better person? What action can I take? What little baby step can I take today that's going to move me in that direction? Yeah, I totally agree. And for, for student athletes right now, because they may not have the setup that they're used to in terms of their normal routines, what can they do to get creative? What can they do to look online to find some workout routines that are going to be fun and productive, right? Because it's that and that we're looking for. That's the integration <clears throat> without my, the parents breathing down their neck. My 19 and 16-year-old are doing a hotel room workout. <laughs> ah, 
we've seen See? those online. There are these. Absolutely. Yeah. It's only a little bit of space, right? Yes. If you only have, you know, and you have no weights, you only have body weight, what can you do? And, and the answer is you can get really sore because both of them are like, oh, I'm so sore. Like, well, what do you mean? <laughs> we did push-ups, we did sit-ups, we did lunges with, with Tide bottles. Like, you know, you really didn't even need that much to get super sore. I think one of the greatest lessons that any of us, including our kids, could get from this experience is how little we truly need to be okay. We can make something work almost no matter what. You know, you have a tiny little two by two space. Don't use it as an excuse not to work out. What can you do inside that two by two space? Like you said, can you do squats? Can you do push-ups? Can you do sit-ups? There's always something that you can create. So do not choose to be a victim. Even if at first you need to process through the shock or the disappointment or the loss of something, that's totally fair. Then at some point, you have to start making choices. You have to start creating from there, not just being stuck, perpetually being upset or focusing on the loss or the gap. You have to move forward. And that's your mindset. Nobody else. Nobody else's responsibility to push you. It's your turn to own it. I love that. I think that leads into the next P, which is planning, right? So how do we help them or what, what planning can they be doing in this time of uncertainty? Well, I think planning goes back to what's your goal, right? So a lot of times we'll jump in and we'll start to implement tactics. We're going to do this. We're going to do that. I said, okay, that's great. Those are, those are great tactics. What is the goal that you're trying to achieve here? And what's the future that you're trying to live into? <clears throat> so how can you get really clear? on what's important to you and what are those elements that you want to be involved there because that's going to be the motivation you need to get across that bridge of change it's it's not easy everything we're talking about is logical but it doesn't mean it's it's necessarily easy it's very doable um but you need something that's going to pull you it can't be just a push it has to be a pull so the plan is meant to make it feel re- that it's realistic that you actually are able to get there and I think for, for student athletes now, we have no idea. Most, most spring sports are done. And it's a shame for those people, those kids where this was their last try at something or this was their showcase year. Um, so what else can you do? Can you go back and re, rework your old video and still have a showcase for that? Um, in terms of your plan, I think it's important to be able to believe in a future so that you're planning for a future rather than feeling like, all is lost. So again, it comes back to mindset. What's the future that you're trying to create for yourself? And from there, can you break it down into planning steps? I've been telling my clients because what's interesting about this opportunity, right? With every downside, there's an opportunity and think about it from the coaching standpoint. And I know a few of the coaches, like they're also in a bind because where they would normally be able to go out and recruit live, they can't. And now they are, they're stuck behind their laptops too. So I actually have a friend I played with in college at William and Mary, and she sends me a text the other day and says, oh, this coach that, you know, just reached out to my son and wants to see his tape. And now we're going to send him the whole video. And, and you realize how small and how small the recruiting world is. So even if you've sent the video before, even if that coach had only seen you once and wasn't that interested, you have their undivided attention right now. Get creative on how you can repackage it to your point, Mike, and and remake it and and hit them up again. Like what do you have to lose, right? There's there's totally. no side. 
No, exactly. And planning, planning is good to do with other people. So that's a really, because you bang ideas off of each other and, and lots of people have really good insights and ideas and have tried things and you can really leverage the collective thinking of a group in planning. And so that might be an opportunity to also get with parents, similar parents or people that are in similar situation and <clears throat> really try to brainstorm together and leverage one another and support each other um, in terms of creating plans for your kids. And, and at the same time, just because I'm that person that does parenting stuff, um, parents, it doesn't mean you do it for your kids. Like Correct. this is important that they do their planning, not have all the parents all of a sudden get together and make plans for their kids. Like we got micromanaging our student athletes. And like, I think you that in the beginning, Mike, and let them mm-hmm. take it with it. And you can be there. You are now forced after 12, you're no longer an actual parent to that. I mean, you're an actual parent, but you no longer act like a parent, but you start acting like their mentor or their coach. But it's, that's there's yeah. a lot of that think okay let's get it together we're gonna make a whole plan like oh no stop the kids that's right that's right and they the way they plan might be very different so what's your role in this plan again can you go back to facilitator or coach can you connect them to their dream and Mm -hmm. their why instead of your own you know if you see somebody falling off plan rather than a should can it be, hey, remember what you're remember what you're committed to. Remember what's important to you. It's not for me, it's for you. And so what choices are you making? This is you talking to your kid. What choices are you making? And are they aligned with what you really want? We have to really redirect it back at them because at the end of the day, they've got to own it. And so we can be a mirror. We can be a coach for them. But we don't want to be the director. We don't want to be the one who's telling them what to do and telling them when they're when they're not doing what they say they would do, let them start to learn how to own that for themselves. Exactly. Yeah. And finally, the last P. Persist. Persist, right? Yep. Persist. So this is the one where it's a little bit, it's a little bit tough because things show up, right? So we have the, we started with purpose and we wanted to understand basically, well, actually we start with perspective, right? It's all about our mindset. And then once we realize we're not going to choose to be a victim, that we're actually going to own this thing and that we need to choose to create, even if it's a small step, then we connect it to our why. Why are we doing this? And that's our purpose. And then from there we play and we get outside of our comfort zone and we expand our horizons and we grow. And then once we've played, now we have more insight into planning because now we have a better sense of who we are, what we want. And we make sure that we direct it into our, towards our kids. Now, once the plan is in place, now how do you persist? And this is int- it's an interesting time right now because uh, there's, a lot of, there's a lot of, I guess, collective wisdom out there in how do you manage remote teams? How do you manage remote workers? How do you lead remotely? All of these things. And a lot of what's going on is don't make it so much about process or about nine to five. Make it about what's getting accomplished during that time, not not busy work. And so this might be an opportunity in terms of persisting to just take smaller bites right now so that you can build a little bit of positive momentum. It's not a normal time. If it were, you might be doing things differently. So how can you persist right now? How can you do one thing for yourself? every single day or how can you support and encourage your kids and there are going to be days you don't feel like it so 
even if it doesn't look like the plan, how can you still do something to keep your momentum going? And that's that's the challenge that we're faced because we're all kind of in contained quarters here. <clears throat> so in, how can we be patient and flexible in saying, well, I was going to work out for half an hour today and I missed that window. So instead of not doing anything, what else can I do instead? Again, momentum such a powerful, uh, such a powerful energy that we need to keep that momentum going, even if it doesn't look like we had intended for that day. Love this. This is great. Five very clear, you know, buckets that you can look at this through. And what I love is, is it really, you know, it's big picture. It's every day. It's what what we're going through now, but we can also take it forward with us. And as we're coaching our kids, um, you know, like, like we said, at some point, life will speed back up to normal. But this is such a beautiful moment to be able to slow everything down and to be able to focus in on a few things that you really want to, you know, remember this moment. You're going to always remember when the, the bed sheets were hanging in to make the to make the room. That's going to be a very impactful time for these for your kids. Similar to this, what what things can you do right now that as they get older and they talk about, oh, remember when we had that coronavirus and we were all we we actually had dinner together five nights a week. Remember that we actually talked to each other. We got off our <laughs> devices. We we did ten push-ups together every night after dinner. What whatever the small little things that you can do that you can implement that are going to make you know ripples over time and shifts over time. Absolutely. It's like like in this moment, you know, it's like pressing the pop button on humanity Mm. and embracing that whole experience of what we are in right now. And to look at, and if you are a hike, like just become even athletes, like be out in nature if you can, like walk a little hiking or walk around your block and just be, be in nature. There's so much studies about the the gift of nature in on all aspects of our lives. So, um, I mean, I think we've, all of us, all just us here in America have gotten away from, you know, tuning into nature and it's there to support us, you know, and it's not less than us. It's not more than us. We're equal with it. And I feel like if we can get our kids nature a little bit more now than ever and just even sit against a tree. Like when's the last time one of our kids went a tree and just did nothing and just sat against me. Like those little things will I, very impactful when we get back to the, hopefully not so busy as we all, I think it was really to stop. And mm-hmm. it's, you know, I, I you know a lot of consequences to that as there are and thing happens in our lives, but to enjoy the moment as much as we kids and get them, you know, get them be okay so that they on and learn a lot and say to you, Hey, we've done this before we can handle it. The next something shows up. Yeah. I think, I think you're tapping into the opportunity, which is the mental game right now, right? How important is the mental game of athletics? And if you don't have access to as much of the physical game right now to practice and to work and whatever, how can you be developing your mental game now? And part of that is being in stillness. It's visualization. It's positive thinking. It's all of those things that you know. I'm sure many of the experts on your your podcast talk about 
well, what a perfect opportunity right now with the noise in the world reduced. And you want to turn off the news a little bit here and there too, because you can't just keep the noise flowing. Noise is somehow comforting, even if it's terrifying. We have to shut that off and be in the silence and the stillness and be in the collective together. And that's an opportunity for any athlete to focus on their on their mental game. So maybe that's an opportunity for kids yeah. right now. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, this has been so wonderful, Mike. We are so grateful for your time and for agreeing to be on. Parents. Oh, thank you. Sorry. Thank you so much. Parents, we highly recommend you picking up a copy of Mike's book. Where can we find it, Mike? Anywhere books are sold. Anywhere books are sold. If you go to wakeupbook.com, it'll take you to um, all the different links. You could go to Amazon. You can go whatever. I don't even know what's left online anymore, but definitely can find it if you searched Wake Up Your Life. It's calling Why Settle for Fine when so much more is possible. And where else can our listeners find you if they want to follow along and see what your company is up to? Yeah, thank you. That we really have two major websites. One is called Savia Leadership, S-A-V-I-A. And the other one is MikeJaffeSpeaking.com. And so either one of those will um, give you some updates on what's going on and give you links to the book and give you some more insight about our philosophy and, and how we try to work with leaders to instill the same types of mindsets that we've been talking about in the show today. Thank you so much. Thank you. This is wonderful. Finally, parents, if you enjoyed this episode and know another sports parent who is trying to get better at supporting their teen and figuring out their path, please feel free to share and rate this podcast on iTunes. Susie and I here at Raising Athletes are trying to get better every day too, and we're focusing on progress over perfection. So we appreciate any feedback and any sharing you can do to help us along our journey as well. Our goal is to support parents in not only raising strong athletes and extraordinary people who are trying new things, failing forward, and getting up and doing it all over again. Susie, can you finish it off? Thank you. <laughs> Let's do this. <laughs> Let's do this. And thank you, Mike. And thank you, parents, for listening. And please pass this on. This is like, I mean, all our podcasts are amazing. But time, and I can't imagine a better person that on today than we you know this situation that we're in so you thank you thank you mike i absolutely my pleasure thank you so much